Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go today to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, we want to look at some things. Uh, Of course, we are in the uh, resurrection season, the time that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Of course, we celebrate it all the time. But uh, this is when uh, the church, uh, the world uh, in general, to some extent, focuses on this. And uh, we want to take the next couple of weeks and deal with this subject of it is finished. It is finished. And, uh, you know, there, I, I have found over the years that there are subjects that if we're not careful, if we're not cautious, they kind of just become something that we know. Uh, it's something that we, we realize happened. Uh, you know, I remember one time I was talking with a, a gentleman at one of my kids' school functions, and uh, he knew I was a pastor. I, I think he was a minister of some sort. And uh, he was talking to me, and he asked me what I had been ministering on. And I said, at that time, I was on a series called By Faith, and we were teaching through the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And I told him what I was ministering on, and he just kind of looked at me, and he said, oh, yeah, yeah, faith. Yeah, that's good stuff, faith. Yeah, faith. Well, I mean, the point is, is, you know, not to run him down, but I mean, I, I just knew that faith was just a subject to him. It, it, he didn't have the spirit of faith, right? We, we taught, uh, well, I didn't teach here. We may teach on it tonight, the spirit of faith. I taught on it last week. But uh, in any event, when we talk about the resurrection of Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, it, it is one of the preeminently important doctrinal understandings in the scripture, all right? Because one man said it this way. He said, the resurrection of Christ is the foundation stone of Christianity. And the point is, is it's the crowning proof that the ransom paid for sinners was accepted. It's the crowning proof that the ransom paid for sinners was accepted. And Christianity just as a whole is distinct in that it's a religion of redemption. All right, it's, it's a religion of redemption. If you remove the doctrine of the death of Christ out of Christianity, it's no longer unique. Because here's why. It no longer can claim to be the only true religion. Because you remove the doctrine of redemption, the doctrine of the resurrection out of it. It, it is redemption that makes Christianity different from any other religion. It's It's, it's redemption. Amen. Christianity is the history of redemption. Glory to God. Amen. And it's the history of redemption through Jesus Christ. And this is the key. The personal redeemer. He's my personal redeemer. Amen. He's my personal redeemer. I can't can't tell you everything God's done for you, but I know everything God's done for me because he's my personal redeemer. Amen. He saved me. See, in my mind, I know he died for everybody, but I believe he died for me. Is that right? I know he saved you, but I know he saved me because it's personal. It's personal. He came into my heart. He changed my life personally. Personally. Oh, glory to God. Isn't that great? Yeah, hallelujah. He delivered me. That's how my life used to be, but he delivered me. He, he said, we you sing the song in church, he set me free. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And that redemption touched me personally. It shook my life personally. It redeemed me personally. I used to be this, and now I'm this because he set me free. He delivered me. He turned my life around. 
Only through Christianity can you be the same person outwardly that you were five minutes ago. But having received Christ, you're a totally different person. Because you have been changed. Amen. You know, the Bible, very often we talk about we're going to be changed in the moment. In the twinkling of an eye. That's true. That's going to happen physically at, at the last trumpet. But that already happened to you spiritually. The moment you receive Jesus as your Lord. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. You were changed. You were made a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things really personally passed away. And all things really personally became new. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And the devil can't do anything about that because it happened to me personally. He can't change what happened to me personally. Glory to God. Woo! Amen. Isn't it wonderful to know the devil can't stop you from doing anything? He can't stop you from receiving anything. If he could have stopped you from doing anything, he'd have stopped you from being saved. He couldn't stop in your worst moment. He could not stop you from receiving Jesus as your Lord when everything was going wrong and you decided to bow your knee to Christ and make Him your Lord. There wasn't anything the devil could do about it because He's a personal Redeemer. Hallelujah. And He said, If any man come to Me, I will not cast him out. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. Why? Because it's personal. Oh, it's personal. Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. 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 Can't be taken from me. Can't be stopped short. Doesn't belong to anybody else but me. I know you're saved, but my salvation doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me. My redemption doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me. I know you're going to heaven, but I know I'm going to heaven. I know you've been delivered, but I know I've been delivered. I don't know what yours means to you, but I know what mine means to me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Tell your neighbor, say, I don't know what yours means to you, but I know what mine means to me. Hallelujah. Is that all right? See, it can mean different things to different people. There are people sitting in here that you were living a life of addiction. You were living a life of failure. You were living a life of alcoholism, whatever it was. And your personal Redeemer came personally into your life and personally delivered you and personally set you free and personally made a way for you, personally gave you your family back, personally. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. That's what he did. That's what he did. And he did it personally. He came personally into my life and sat down personally and delivered me. Jesus, did, Jesus, Jesus didn't barter me out. He didn't send me to somebody else to get free. He set me free. He delivered me. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. We used to sing a song that says, but in a moment, a hand with a nail print reached downward. And in a moment, a new life was born. Glory to God. Personally. 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 When they drove the nails in his hands, they drove them in his hands for me. For me. When, 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 amen. When he took stripes on his back, it was to heal me. It was to deliver me. It was to set me free. Amen. I know, it, I know it set everybody free. I know it will heal everybody, but I know it was for me. Hallelujah. 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 Tell your neighbor, I've been personally set free. You know, you know how much, now we're going to move on. We haven't even got to the first scripture. But here, here, here's the thing. You, you know how it makes you feel when somebody personally cares for you. They personally check on you. They, they personally come by. Amen. Ah. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't send an angel by? He didn't send some other being by. He came by. He came by and personally checked on you. 
The song we used to sing said, He found me. He found me bleeding and dying on the Jericho Road. And He poured in the oil and the wine. He set me free. He turned my life personally. Personally. Oh, hallelujah. He did it personally. Turned it around personally. Woo, glory. Hallelujah. So Christianity is the history of redemption through Jesus Christ, the personal redeemer. Redemption is the fundamental theme of the gospel. It's the fundamental theme of the gospel. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll start in verse 1. Paul's writing here to the church at Corinth, and he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you're saved, if you keep in memory, or if you hold fast to what I've preached unto you, I want you to hold fast, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all. Notice, first of all. First, in order of importance, the most important thing, and notice what it was, that I received of Christ is how, number one, Christ died for our sin according to the Scripture. Number two, He was buried. And number three, He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So Paul says, I delivered to you first of all, or this was first in order of importance. One translation says, I have shared with you what I have received and what is of utmost importance. And what was it? Notice, he says, I delivered to you first of all, number one, that Christ died for our sin. So the three basic truths that Paul preached were Christ died for our sins, Christ's burial, and his resurrection. Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again. Amen. Now the resurrection links the other two together. Christ died and was buried, and he rose again. The, 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 when, it, when it talks about him dying, his death, and his burial are presented in the past tense. Christ did die, and Christ was buried, but he is alive. He is alive. Amen. The resurrection is in that perfect present tense. And, and here's the thing. It's presented as having an abiding power with it. In other words, when, when, when Paul wrote, and we've been teaching on this a lot on Wednesdays and, and some other Sundays. When Paul wrote and he said, he said uh, that, that the power that he wanted the church to see that was in them was what he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, might, power, dominion, every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Right? Then chapter 2, verse 1 of Ephesians, and you hath he quickened. The word quickened means brought to life. And you have he, see, there, there's the verse that says he worked that power in Christ and raised him from the dead. And then he goes through some explanatory verses and he gets to chapter 2, verse 1. And he says, and when that happened, he quickened you too. Right? And then he goes on down to verse 6 after some other explanatory verses. And he says, and when he did that, he raised you up together with Christ and seated you together with Christ in the heavenly places. Joint seating. Now, this is why this is so important. Because that same resurrection power is abiding and resides and is working in us right now. So he died. He was buried. But he rose again. And that power that caused him to rise from the grave is within us. Now, here's the question. How could you ever be defeated with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living on the inside of you? Glory! Hallelujah! Oh, and by the way, he personally gave me that power. Amen. That's so important. Oh, glory. So the power 
of the resurrection continues. It continues. It's evident every time somebody gets saved, that same power enters into them and raises them from the dead spiritually. See, if you know somebody that's not born again, or if you're here today and you're not born again, the Bible says that you're spiritually dead, that you're separated from God, you're an alien to the life of God, you don't understand the life of God because the life of God's not in you because there's an attachment to Adam, an attachment to death that came into the world through sin. But the Bible says that when you and I are born again, that what happens is we're quickened, we're brought to life, not the old part of our spirit. The Bible says in Galatians 2 that that man died on the cross with Christ and that a new creature, a new man, a new woman a new creation that's never been known before came into existence that's the power of the resurrection Whew. Woo, glory amen that's why you have to spend less time talking about what you were and more time talking about what you are this is who i am in christ yeah, the, the dead guy, he did that, but I've, I've never done that. The dead guy did that. I didn't do that. The, the dead man did that, but I didn't do that. Because the Bible said when I got born again that the nature of God came on the inside of me and made me a new creature in Christ Jesus. And that's why the Bible can say, Whatsoever is born of God sinneth not, and the wicked one cannot touch him. Glory to God. That's what happened at the resurrection. That's what happened when you were born again. You didn't just get a ticket to heaven and a pass from hell. You got a new life. Amen. Glory. An eternal life. Forever and ever life. Isn't that good? Oh, glory. Hallelujah. See, Jesus was born in order that he could die. He came into the earth to die. In, in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. Notice what it says. It says that because the, the, the children, the men and women, were partakers of flesh and blood, he himself also partook of the same flesh and blood. That through death, notice through death, preposition through, the avenue, the channel, all right, the pathway, it was only through death. Do you see that? Only through death. What happened when he died? He might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. That means to bring him to nothing, right? To bring him to naught is what the Greek says. Uh, one says to make him a zero. Amen. That's what Reinhard Bonnke used to say. Jesus made the devil a zero. Amen. Hallelujah. That's so important. Because I, I want you to notice these words. And this is not what I'm focusing on so much. But you need to see this. Destroy him that had. See, the resurrection is so important because when Jesus rose, the Bible says he rose with the keys of death and hell. Well, what does that mean? They're locked up where the believer's concerned. That doesn't mean I'll never die. It means the power of death is broken. Does that make sense? He had the power of death, and then he, he outlines who he is, the devil. So why do Christians talk about all the power the devil has when the Bible says he has zero where we're concerned? See, try this out loud. Say, personally, personally, the devil has no power over me. No over me. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Matthew, or, or 1 John chapter 3 and verse 5, notice what it says about Jesus. It says that he was manifested to take away our sins. He, he came on the scene to take away our sin. And in him is no sin. Well, then the question is, was he manifested? Yes, he was. Then what did he do on the cross? Took away our sin. Amen. It's been taken away. 
when you got born, it, it was already taken away in the mind of God. And when you got born again, it just became a reality. My sin's been taken. I'll hear people preaching their well-meaning. Yes, the blood covered my sin. Oh, no, it didn't. No, it did not. It took it away. It removed it. Amen. Under the Old Testament, it was atoned for. Under the New Testament, it's cleansed. It's washed. It's taken away. You remember that in the Bible? It says the blood of bulls and goats could not make the comers therein too perfect because every time they came, there was a remembrance of sin made every year. But it says Jesus Christ, it says this man entered one time into the holy place having attained eternal redemption for us. Glory to God. Isn't that beautiful? That means if you're saved, you're eternally saved. You're eternally redeemed. That means every person on this planet, the price has already been paid for their salvation. And it's an eternal salvation. All they have to do is receive it. There's near about 8 billion people on, on this earth. And there's enough blood on the mercy seat that's still speaking, still alive, that will cleanse the sin of every person. And no matter how many people are born between here and the time Jesus comes, that blood doesn't have to be increased. There doesn't have to be more. What he did was enough for every everybody that's ever been and everybody that will ever be glory to God hallelujah this I believe hallelujah Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28 notice what it says the disciples were arguing about who was going to be the greatest <laughs> not too long before Jesus went to the cross and Jesus said, notice what he said to them, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, I hear people that talk about Jesus, and you can kind of tell they don't know much about Jesus when they start talking about him. And, and they say things like, you know, Jesus came into the earth to do good works. You will not find that in the Bible. You'll find this, though. You'll find that he did do good works. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power that went about doing good. And the word doing good, it means to do good deeds. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. So he did that, but it doesn't say he came to do good works. It says he came to give his life a ransom for many. Oh, isn't that good? Hallelujah. And, and I like this, hallelujah, because this word ransom, it means something to loosen with, a redemption price. So he gave his life so that it could be something to loosen with. When we talk about ransom, you know, I've heard people, they have a problem with that. Well, God wasn't paying the devil off. Well, of course he wasn't paying the devil off. He defeated the devil. I mean, think about that. When he defeated the devil, when you read Paul's writings, the Bible says that Jesus took things, when he defeated him, he took away from him everything that he had stolen. He has no authority over us. So Jesus didn't pay the devil off. But you were bound. Amen. By no choice of your own, meaning you were born that way. And you just grew up that way. And a price had to be paid to set you free, to loosen you. Glory to God. The very purpose for Christ coming into the world was so he might take on human nature and offer his life as a sacrifice for us. Redemption is revealed in Scripture at least four ways. At least four. And we'll deal with two of them today. It's, it's, it's revealed at least four ways. First of all, we just read as a ransom. As a ransom. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. Glory to God. First Peter chapter 1. And uh, we want to start here. In verse 18, 
and he's writing to believers, and notice what he says. He says, for as much as you know you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation, but with, or by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now, the way he starts this off, you can see he's talking about corruptible things such as silver and gold. So he's talking about a price that was paid. There was, there was a price due. Every person in here that's born again, justice had a claim on you. Because of, of ever how you were living your life before salvation. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so if I was living in sin, justice had a claim on me. It had a right to have that claim on me. Glory to God. But a price was paid. Oh, Glory. From your vain conversation. Notice what it says. Verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ. When, when, the, when the Bible makes this statement, it's, uh, it says with the blood. The blood. It's the definite article. The blood. It's emphasizing special. The blood. Not with just gold and silver, but the blood. In other words... There's not many bloods, there's just one. Just the blood. Costly blood, highly honored blood. And so the word redeemed here is the Greek word for ransom. For ransom. We were in bondage to sin and the curse, and a very high price had to be paid to obtain our freedom. Amen. Very high price had to be paid to obtain our freedom. I tell people all the time, Salvation was given freely to you, but salvation was not free. Salvation cost somebody everything. Amen. When, when you, when you, if we could reveal to people, if we could talk to our neighbors, if we could talk to our coworkers, if we could talk to our family members and somehow get across to them the price that was paid for them to be set free, they could see that the price that was paid to be set free is far greater than anything they could experience in the world without it. Hallelujah. It costs somebody everything. Amen. Do you see this? Our freedom from the power of sin and death was extremely expensive. Extremely expensive. That's why we don't take our salvation lightly. That's why we don't take our walk with God lightly. That's why we don't take the victory He's given us lightly. It costs somebody everything to get it to us. Amen. When you say Jesus is your Savior, you're saying He gave everything for me up into and including His life. With His last breath on earth, He was looking at me. He was thinking about me. He was determined to set me free. He made Himself get to that hill so He could give His life for me. He could have died in the garden. He could have died at the whipping post. But in both of those places he willed himself to get to that cross so he could die for me and pay the price he made himself go on glory to God glory to God you know what that means within that redemption within that blood within that 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 price is the power for me to go on when I don't think I can make it I can make it because he willed himself to go to the cross. I can will myself through anything. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The one that redeemed me is on the inside of me. The one that broke the chains is on the inside of me. The one that rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave is on the inside of me. I won't back down. I won't back off. I won't compromise. Because the greater one is on the inside of me. Hallelujah. The greater one's in me. He willed himself to do that. I say he willed himself to do that. Glory to God. Do you see that? Ha ha. He willed himself to do it. 
he was praying in the garden. And the Bible says his sweat began to come, become as great drops of blood. And we know that. He's under such pressure. He's under such stress. His physical body's breaking down. Not so much just at the, 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 the thinking of the cross, the physical cross, although that was weighing on his mind. What was weighing on his mind as much or more than anything is his separation from God. How he's got to go and pay the entire, the entire price. And he says to the Father, he says, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But then he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Now, now think about that. He's not talking about my will, spirit man, my will, physical man. He had to keep pulling his physical desire under the control of his spirit. Your spirit knows you'll make it. Because it's directly connected to God. Is that right? I'm telling you, your spirit knows today. You're coming out of whatever you're dealing with. Your, Your spirit knows that. Because it's directly connected to God. The problem is you got to pull your mind. you got to pull your thoughts. you got to pull your feelings underneath the control of your spirit. Amen. And the Bible says he, 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 he prayed that once. And then he went and checked on the disciples. And you know they were asleep. And it says he went back and he prayed again the second time. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Went back and found him asleep. Then Matthew says he went back and prayed a third time and said the same thing. Luke says that while Jesus was praying this, he was writhing in pain on the ground. He could, he could, he could have backed up. Think about this. Have you ever thought about this? That he went and prayed three times to get to the cross. He made himself do that so I could be free, so you could be free. Oh, glory. Amen. And and, and then he stood before Pilate. And if you read your Bible, three times Pilate came and said, I don't find any fault in him. No fault in him. Let me let him go. Jesus at any point could have said, that's right, let me go. What did he do? He looked at Pilate. Pilate kept asking him questions. Questions that if Jesus would have answered, had Jesus answered them according to his flesh, he could have been set free. Pilate said, are you a king? You say it. Ask him again, are you a king? If I was a king on this earth, my people would fight for me. Don't you know I have the power to set you free or to condemn you? You would have no power over me at all if it wasn't given to you of my Father. And then he looked him in the eye and said, For this cause I came into the earth. This is why I'm here. You are just a channel to get the deed done. You're not doing anything. You're not taking my life from me. I lay it down. I willfully do this. Why? Because I personally want to come into their life. I personally want to set them free. Glory to God. He demonstrated that in the Garden of Gethsemane. When they came to him with over 600 soldiers and, and, and guards. And they came and Jesus stepped out. You remember what he said? Who are you seeking? Jesus of Nazareth. I am. Wham. Wham. They all hit the ground. Not just stumbled back. The the Greek tense there is that they became like corpses. They hit the ground like a dead body fallen. They they had encountered the God of the universe. What's he proving? You can't take me. I got to lay my life down. Now I'm saying all this for a reason. He willfully paid the price. You have the power in you to willfully live your life for Christ. Willfully. You don't luck into it. 
It's not that some people are better Christians than other people. It's that some people yield to it more than other people. Glory to God. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, what Jesus did for me was not free. Oh, hallelujah. Now, glory to God. Notice this. So Jesus paid the ransom that set us free. It was his own blood that guaranteed our deliverance from the power of Satan. That previously held us captive. Oh, hallelujah. The second thing that we'll look at today, it was a substitution. A substitution. It was a ransom, and it was a substitution. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. Notice what it says. For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. One translation says, the innocent one for the guilty many. So Jesus suffered once, a single time, for the sins of the unjust. The just for the unjust. Amen. You know, I've witnessed to people before, and they'll kind of leave you with the idea, well, you know, I'm not that bad of a person. Well, I understand what you're saying, but you're still unjust. You're not justified. That's what that means. I'm not justified with God. Why? I've not received the price. I've not received the penalty that was paid for me. Amen. Hallelujah. I've had people come and talk to me and say, well, you know, God should do this for me. Well, why should he? And I had a lady tell me, because I'm a good person. That, that's not what it's about, dear. It's not about being a good person. Jesus Christ himself, when the rich young ruler came to him and said, good master, what do I have to do to be saved? Jesus said, why do you call me good? According to the law, there's none good but God. That's what he was saying. Jesus was good, now God was in him. But understand, he had to perfectly keep the law. People say, that guy's good. Well, is he saved? Well, no. Well, then he can't be good. Because goodness only comes from God. See, if you don't break it down and strip away all the veneer and say, I don't have any goodness except for God. You know, that guy's a, that guy's a good moral person. No, he's not. If he's not saved... He does not have a foundation for morals. He'll compromise them somewhere. <laughs> Amen. Let me move on from that. He suffered one time, a single time, the, for the sins of the unjust. He suffered to bring us to God. Notice what it says. Notice what it says. That he might bring us to God. That's why he suffered. The picture is Christ leading us to the Father's throne on the basis of his substitution and his redeeming death that opened the way. So when you got born again, he personally led you to the throne because the way was now open. And substitution can be explained like this. Something happened to Christ. And because it happened to Christ, it doesn't need to happen to me. See, that's what makes salvation such a beautiful thing. Nobody has to die and spend eternity separated from God. Nobody, because the price has been paid. The price has been paid. So something happened to him, and because it happened to Christ, it doesn't need to happen to us. I've heard people say before, you know, I've pastored a number of years, and I've had people say before, well, you know, I was going through a challenge, and where was God? I just feel like God doesn't love me. Look at the cross, and you will never again think God doesn't love you. All you got to do is look at the cross, and you'll never again think He doesn't love you. Look at the cross and see how much He loves you. Glory to God. 
Look at John chapter 19 and verse 30. This is something that Jesus said on the cross. It's the basis of our messages. John 19 and verse 30. Very familiar verse. But it says, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Greek reads, it has been finished. The, the Greek word for finished means it stands completed. Now there's, 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 there's different nuances. The word, when it says it is finished, it's the Greek word teleo, T-E-L-E-O, teleo. And it means just what we said. It means to stand completed or it has been finished. The other nuance of that, that word is a Greek word tetelestai. And it involves someone being sent off on a mission, on a, a legal mission, and they have finished it. It's completed. Hallelujah. The Greek tense indicates that the work of redemption has been completed once and for all. And that the results of that redemption are abiding continuously. They're abiding continuously. So that work of redemption is available for every person in the earth. And the power of that redemption is flowing through me consistently. And the idea that we get is that Jesus is holding up the legal document and he's saying, I have checked every box. I have checked every box. I have fulfilled every requirement. And my blood is the stamp. My blood is the seal. I'm signing it in my blood. It's finished. It's finished. There's nothing more to do. Nothing more to do. You know, in, in, in the past few years, the past decade or more, there's been a lot of bantering in the church about law and grace. And we're not under the law, we're under grace. Well, that's really a very elementary doctrine. I mean, that is like, if I can say this and I want to be nice, that's spiritual preschool. Of course we're not under law, we're under grace. Where the trouble is, is the wrong understanding. Under grace... Grace does not alleviate the need for me to remember the price. I can't just revel in what he did for me and then just act like I don't owe him anything. Can I, is it okay if I share this with you? You know, the Bible, you know, we, we look at our, you know, we're sitting here and, and, and we all look good. We, we, we cleaned up and come to church. The Bible says something. It says that we are to glorify God in our bodies and in our spirits, which both are God's. So what does that mean? When I got born again, I can't just live ever how I want. Not, now listen, I have the freedom to live ever how I want. But remember what the book of uh, uh, Romans said, Paul said, that we've got to be a law to ourselves? Is that right? Because of this price. It's finished. I, I can't just say, well, God understands because I'm under grace. God looks at the price. Think about that. I know we're all loving and kind, right? And we love each other and we love our children. But I promise you, if Liliana decided to start breaking Pastor Michelle's china that her mother gave her that was passed down from her grandmother... Pastor Michelle's not going to go, we're under grace, it's okay. Right? 
She will feel the discomfort of her choice. Hallelujah. You know, when you're convicted of something, you know what it is as much as anything? The Holy Spirit reminding you the price that was paid for you. You know, 1 Peter that we read, he said, I want to remind you that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold by the precious blood of the... You know who that was written to? Believers. He said, I want to remind you the price that was paid for you. It's easy to live holy when you remember the price that was paid for you. Easy. I was talking to a person one time, and, 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 and they are very big on, you know, manifesting holiness, meaning that, you know, there's things that we do, and, and we want to show that we're holy, and we don't do this, and we don't do that. And I just looked at him. I said, brother, I live holier by accident than most people in your denomination do on purpose. I'm not trying to be ugly. That's not what I'm trying to do. But you're telling me this means I'm holy, and this means I'm holy. I'll tell you what means I'm holy is I, I, I conduct my life like somebody paid a price for it. Amen. Glory to God. So by accepting his sacrifice, we have eternal life. When Jesus said it is finished, he was saying all the types and prophecies of the Old Testament concerning my death are finished. The ceremonial law is abolished. The substance has come. Types and shadows are done away with. You know, there's still types and shadows that we can read in the first covenant that point us to Jesus in the new covenant, but that's not how we live. If, if you try to live in the type and the shadow, you live void of the power of the resurrection. Amen. He said, there's an end. An end is made of transgression. How? By bringing in a everlasting righteousness. The book of Psalm chapter 119, talking about this day, it says, your righteousness is everlasting. Isn't that beautiful? His life was not taken. It was freely given up as a substitute. So we see this in pictures when, when God asked Abraham to take his son to Mount Moriah and offer him there. Just before he sacrificed him as the father asked him, the Bible says there was a ram in the thicket, a substitute, a substitute, a substitute. God accepted the substitute. God accept, he asked for Isaac, but he accepted the substitute. You were guilty, but he accepted the substitute. You had failed, but he accepted the substitute. You owed the price, but he accepted the substitute. Glory to God. When uh, Pilate was talking to the people, he made this statement. He said, uh, the Bible says that his custom was every year to release a prisoner to them. He did everything he could do to release Jesus. We talked about that earlier. Three times he said, I find no fault in him. Pilate's wife came to him and said, Look, listen, I don't know what's going on. Don't have anything to do with this just man. Because I had a very troubling dream about him today. Don't have anything to do with him. Now, I don't know about you married men, but you know, if my wife comes to me and says, hey, you better make sure you watch this. I pay attention because I'm smart. Glory to God. <laughs> Somebody say, you always do what your wife says. What you say? What do you think? <laughs> but anyway, what did he talk about? I don't know, something about husbands and wives. But he said, I want to set him free. They said, give us Barabbas. Now, the Bible says that this Barabbas was a murderer, that he had committed murder during the, a revolt, a rebellion. It's very implicit to tell us he was a murderer. 
But they set him free and sent Jesus to the cross. It's very implicit because the murderer walked and the innocent man took his cross to the top of Calvary. It's the law of the substitute. My life is lived for Christ when I remember that he stood in for me. At the very least, I remember my life could be very different if Jesus hadn't come into it. Hallelujah. And you know the thing about this is? We're about to close. The thing about this is, he came looking for me. He came walking looking for me. He was calling my name. Have you ever thought about how long the Holy Spirit dealt with you? How long he kept bringing people into your pathway? The people he kept bringing to your house, you'd find that, boy, you'd get upset, that guy witnessing to you at work. Can't he just leave me alone? No. No, the love of the Father is being poured through him to you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Because he knew a price had been paid. And that's why the Bible uses phrases like, Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus said this, if any man come to me, I will in no wise cast him out. Just won't do it because the price has been paid. Amen. Amen. I've had people over the years ask me, do you think that the Lord would forgive me? Did Jesus die? He'll forgive you. He'll forgive you. He'll forgive you. He'll forgive you. He'll make things right. He'll turn things around. He'll put your life back together. He'll help you. He'll help you. Isn't that wonderful? It is finished. It's finished. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah.